Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell live with news and views from the Nefarium on Wednesday, actually very early Thursday morning, August 19th, 2021. Uh, I've been absent for a couple of weeks, uh, actually about three weeks, and I want to talk about that in just a moment. But right now, um, for those of you who are members of my website, there is a vid chat this Friday at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. Please get your questions and comments submitted to me by email by uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow night, the usual way. Please also remember, put your uh, header in your email in all capitals and just have it say vid chat uh, questions. That way I'll know, be able to spot it fairly easily. Now, concerning the outage of the news and views in the last couple of weeks, uh, let's just say that I am in the position now of having to investigate and create backup uh, platforms for my news and views. Um, you can all imagine why. <laughs> so I needn't belabor that. So don't forget the vid chat uh, this Friday, and please bear with me while I'm trying to get backup systems for the news and views up and running. So I'm doing this tonight. It's, tonight is going to be a long uh, news and views because of my absence and also because there's so much news to catch up on. And let's get right to it, because today's story concerns gold, and Afghanistan, and I've got three articles. They're all on Zero Hedge. I've linked them all for you. And as usual, what I'm going to be doing is a little bit of high-octane speculation. I am not uh, by any means maintaining that my speculation is the only one, nor even the most valid. I'm sure that most of you, when you hear these three stories, will start connecting dots in your own way. Uh, I'm just tossing some things out there because with the recent collapse of the American position in Afghanistan, there appears that there might be something up. Now, all three of these articles appeared on Zero Hedge, and I strongly suspect that they suspect there's much more to this story than meets the eye, because, in fact, they themselves are providing a bit of depth to the story, that goes back to President Richard Nixon's abandoning of the convertibility of gold on uh, the U.S. dollar. So the first and very little soundbite I'm going to give you is from an article titled Palantir buys over $50 million worth of gold bars preparing for a future with more black swans. And... Um, Again, I'm just going to read one little bit of piece from this article. And we go to the very beginning. Quote, anyone watching Tuesday's U.S. market cash session sees red across the board. One of the strongest sell programs in months dumped stocks at the start of trading on Tuesday and equity volatility spiked to the upside. As Nomura warned, looking the arcane gamma topology underpinning the market, this could be the beginning of a market storm. And ahead of what could be further market uh, turmoil, Palantir Technologies warned about an upcoming black swan event, according to Bloomberg. 
the software company co-founded by technology billionaire Peter Thiel and CEO Alex Karp wrote in a filing last week that it stockpiled $50.7 million in gold bars earlier this month. The filing also said it acquired technology startups, blank check companies, and even cryptocurrencies. So um, the question that occurs here is, are they buying and storing gold for the gold backing of cryptocurrencies? Now, there have been many people that have speculated about this sort of thing for a number of years. $50.7 million seems to fall a little short. So to my mind, this might indicate something else, but who knows? But that's the little lead-in story, just to kind of whet your appetite. Now, um, let me preface the next two articles by pointing out that the fall of Afghanistan has changed the geopolitical circumstances dramatically not the least of which is because the USA has demonstrated to its allies <laughs> that it is simply not reliable and that the current government is in the hands of complete incompetence, <laughs> okay? Uh, now, this is not to excuse the previous governments of this country for getting involved in that country, but nonetheless, this changes things rather dramatically. But there may be a hidden story here, and I want you to follow along here. And as I read these uh, snippets from these next two articles, they're both quite long. They're both on Zero Hedge, and I will link them for you. But I want you to kind of connect the dots in your own way. The first of these articles is the longest, and it's titled British Requests for $3 billion in U.S. Treasury Gold. Subtitle, The Trigger That Closed the Gold Window. Now, what this article is about is really about Richard Nixon taking us off the gold standard, all right? So the question is, why is this being put out now and put out in a news source like Zero Hedge? Well, my guess is Zero Hedge is, I believe, sending the message that whatever's going on in Afghanistan now may have a very long hidden financial history, all right? So with that in mind, let's get into this article. I'm going to be skipping around quite a lot in it. It's quite lengthy. Like I say, you can read the whole thing for yourself. But this one is crucial. And it starts out by quoting President Nixon in his address to the United States on Sunday evening, the 15th of August, 1971, when he made the announcement that basically he was taking the United States off of the gold convertibility mechanism of the Bretton Woods Agreement in 1944. Quote, I have directed Secretary Connolly, that would be John Connolly, former governor of Texas, in the limousine with President Kennedy at Dallas in November of 1963, I've directed Secretary Connolly to suspend temporarily, note that word, note that word, to suspend temporarily the convertibility of the dollar into gold or other reserve assets, except in amounts and conditions determined to be in the interest of the monetary stability and in the best interests of the United States, unquote. Now, getting into the article, 
the convertibility of U.S. dollars into gold applied to U.S. dollars held by foreign governments and foreign central banks. In other words, if you were an American citizen, you couldn't convert your money into gold, okay? Which, based on the rules of the Bretton Woods monetary system, allowed them to legally show up any time at the gold window of the U.S. Treasury and exchange their excess dollars for physical U.S. Treasury gold. There will be much written about this month, about the 50th anniversary of the closure of the U.S. gold window, but less so about what exactly triggered it and why the timing had to be the 15th of August. Skipping a bit here again. Early 1971 saw a noticeably growing U.S. balance of payments deficit with governments and central banks in major economies accumulating ever larger quantities of U.S. dollars in volumes far exceeding the U.S. government's treasury stock of gold. The U.S. trade balance also moved into deficit. Skipping again. This volatility caused euro-dollar interest rates to rise which attracted further speculative dollar inflows into European countries led by West Germany and triggered wider European currency trading bans as these currencies strengthened against the U.S. dollar. On the 10th of May 1971, the Bundesbank was forced to float the Deutschmark and the U.S. dollar began falling in value against the West German currency. Skipping further. Given the limited amount of gold that the U.S. Treasury held or claimed to hold versus the far larger amount of U.S. dollars in the hands of foreign central banks all over the world, this naturally caused panic in the U.S. government and the U.S. Treasury that the remaining U.S. gold stockpile would be drained by foreign central banks converting their huge U.S. dollar balances into gold at the U.S. Treasury gold window. The panic to prevent a gold drain was clear even from early August 1971 and can be seen in a two second, uh, second day of August 1971 discussion between U.S. President Richard Nixon, U.S. Treasury Secretary John Connolly, U.S. Director of the Office of Management and Budget George Schultz, and White House Chief of Staff Bob Haldeman, which appears in the famous Nixon Takes. Skipping again. Connolly continued in his discussion with President Nixon that the French have called in over $1 billion in reserves in the past few weeks and that the Germans and the Dutch are looking to call in some 200 to 250 million more. Connolly thinks the president could hold on a decision until mid-September, but not later. This is 1971. Skipping further, a sum of $191 million at $35 per ounce would mean that was the price of gold fixed by the Bretton Woods uh, uh, Agreement, would mean that France purchased 5.457 million ounces of gold, that is to say, 169.74 tons. This would have been the same gold which the French are said to have then transported by France to France by military ship from the east coast of the United States. As the Banque de France is an IMF gold depository, 
it would still be logical to bring the gold back to Paris since the gold purchase was intended to pay back the IMF and could be transferred into the IMF gold holdings at the Banque de France. Skipping further. Oh, what a tangled web. But beyond this, there was a British request for U.S. Treasury gold that was the main event of August 1971. There is ample evidence in everything from archives to academic papers to the memoirs of U.S. government officials involved that it was the, not only the French, but crucially the British request to exchange U.S. dollars for gold in the week prior to the 15th of August, 1971, that forced the U.S. government to close the gold window and suspend the U.S. dollar convertibility into physical gold. Skipping. In the second week of August 1971, the British ambassador appeared before the United States Treasury and asked that $3 billion be converted into gold to act as cover for all of their dollar assets. But who's the British ambassador? Well, <laughs> here we go. This massive sum of $3 billion in gold would have been equivalent to 2,666 tons of gold, and the U.S. Treasury at that time claimed to hold less than 10,000 tons of gold. That would be over 25% of all claimed U.S. Treasury gold. While the Americans did not want to agree to one foreign central bank request for U.S. dollar conversion into gold for fear of setting off a stampede of other central bank gold requests, it's also possible that the U.S. Treasury did not have all the gold at, it claimed to have in Fort Knox or at the New York Federal Reserve Vault in Manhattan, at least not in good delivery gold bars, and that the Americans balked at the demand for 2,666 tons simply because they did not have enough gold to sell. Hang on, folks. The Bank of England knew back in March of 1968 when the London gold pool collapsed that the Americans had run out of good delivery gold, as is clear from a Bank of England memo from the 14th of March 1968, which said, quote, It has emerged in conversations with the Federal Reserve Bank that the majority of gold held at Fort Knox is in the form of coin bars and that in certain cases... These bars have a gold content of less than 350 fine ounces. If the drain on U.S. stocks continues, it is inevitable that the Federal Reserve Bank will be forced to deliver what bars they have. Now, let me stop right there. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this episode and this hypothesis of the U.S. Treasury not having the gold it claimed to have, I want to direct everybody who's not familiar with this work to this book here, Confessions of the Old Wizard, the autobiography of Hjalmar Horace Greeley Schacht. Okay? Now, some of you folks already know who Hjalmar Schacht is. He was president of the German Reichsbank in the period of the German hyperinflation and immediately after, and then again became president of the Reichsbank in the 1930s and was Adolf Hitler's Reichsbank president. So these are his own memoirs. And on page 245, he writes about a trip that he took 
back to the United States to visit his friend, Benjamin Strong, who happened to have been at the time the governor of the New York Federal Reserve, which is the gold depository, all right? And here's what Schacht said in his memoirs. Quote, another amusing incident arose from the fact that the Reichsbank maintained a not inconsiderable gold deposit in the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. Strong was proud to be able to show us the vaults which were situated in the deepest cellar of the building and remarked, quote, Now, Herr Schacht, you shall see where the Reichsbank gold is kept, unquote. While the staff looked for the hiding place of the Reichsbank gold, we went through the vaults. We waited several minutes. At length, we were told, quote, Mr. Strong, we can't find the Reichsbank gold, unquote. Strong was flabbergasted, but I comforted him, quote, never mind, I believe you when you say the gold is there. Even if it weren't, you are good for its replacement, unquote, said, said Yalmar Shah. So, in other words, there's been a lot of hanky-panky going on in the central banks with a lot of gold, some of it which appears to go missing from time to time, for a very long time. So, back to Zero Hedge in the Bank of England. So, who's the British ambassador <laughs> that wants the United States to pony up $3 billion worth of gold? This is where the British ambassador to the USA at that time, George Roland Stanley Baring, also known as the third Earl of Cromer, enters the picture. Baring, known as Roland Baring, was not your ordinary diplomat, as he was one of the highest level bankers of his time, and hailed, that's right, folks, you know it, hailed from the famous Baring Bankers family. <laughs> okay? And remember, that was the bank that went bankrupt a couple of decades ago for a, a, a lot of hanky-panky. Anyway, continuing. The Bank of England request for cover quickly agreed in the amount of $750 million rather than $3 billion was the direct consequence of a justifiable British suspicion that the Treasury was on the verge of closing the gold windows. Or in other words, Kalmar shocked. Oh, don't worry. I know you're good for it. <laughs> okay. So on and on this article goes. It's a deep dive into some deep history of how we got off the gold standard, and it's hinting why. We didn't have good delivery gold in the amounts needed to sustain the system. All right, now, let's go to the third article. And this one is very suggestive in the context that I've just outlined for you. The third article, again at Zero Hedge, is titled, Did the New York Fed Confiscate $1.3 Billion in Afghan Gold? Subtitled, Striking Revelations from Afghanistan's Central Bank Chief. And here we go. Quote, Yesterday morning, shortly after the acting Afghan Central Banker Chief Ajmal Ahmadi fled the country after he was somehow pushed on board a military plane by his colleagues, and warning on Twitter that the country has no dollars left domestically, Edom asked any dollars in gold 
currently stored at the local central bank vault have been pillaged by the Taliban, even though the country's new rulers vowed on Saturday that the Treasury, public facilities, and government offices were the property of the nation. Conveniently, overnight, Reuters <clears throat> provided a handy breakdown of the international reserves owned by the DAB, as the Afghani Central Bank is called. The most recent financial statement posted online shows DAB holds reserves of about $10 billion, including $1.3 billion worth of gold reserves and $362 million in foreign currency cash reserves, according to foreign currency conversion rates on June 21st, the date of the report. Digging deeper, the DAB's June statement stated the bank owned investments worth $6.1 billion. While the latest report did not provide details of these investments, a breakdown in the year-end report showed that the majority of these investments were in the form of U.S. Treasury bonds and bills. <laughs> Folks, if there's anybody out there that knows the history of the interwar re, uh, war reparations repatriation, or pardon me, war reparations plans, repayment plans, the Dawes and the Youngs plan, this sounds like the same little scam going on to me. Anyway, to continue, a Biden administration official confirmed as much telling Reuters any central bank assets the Afghan government have in the United States will not be made available to the Taliban. So in other words, that $1.3 billion, let's read this part of the article, but noticeably the central bank's consolidated statement revealed the New York Fed's gold vault, located hundreds of feet below street level, held gold bars worth $101 um, billion, 770 million, 256,000 Afghanis, or some $1.32 billion on behalf of the Afghan Central Bank at the end of 2020. And since this gold is effectively non-recursive to Afghanistan's new Taliban government, we asked publicly if this means that the Afghan gold has now been effectively confiscated. And there you have it. Um, it now appears that there's some financial goings-on, and I want to read one final thing in this conjunction, in this connection. I'm sorry, I can't talk tonight. I've been working flat out for the last three weeks to try and get this backup platform launched, but I did want to talk about this story. The only question is what happens to the Afghanistan gold located at the New York Fed and which now appears to be confiscated. We will just remind readers of one noticeable fact. The New York Fed's vault is inexplicably connected to the vault next door, the largest gold vault in the world, which is located at one Chase Manhattan Plaza and which until 2013 was owned by J.P. Morgan, at which point... The building and attached vault, now known as 28 Liberty Street, was sold to one of the largest privately owned Chinese conglomerates, Fosun International. Now, gee, folks, 
I wonder why you would have a tunnel connecting the gold depository of the New York Federal Reserve directly to the vaults of Chase Manhattan. That sounds kind of like a Hollywood B conspiracy movie. <laughs> okay. Now, here's um, my take. I think we're looking at related stories. There's something going on in the world of gold. We've seen the attempt of Venezuela to repatriate its gold and be refused. We've seen West Germany repatriate its gold at some difficulty and with some uh, reluctance on the part of the United States Federal Reserve. And after that repatriation, the Bundesbank has been curiously silent about the quality of that gold. Was it good gold delivery gold? Was it coin gold? We don't know. Now, they've done a few audits and assays here and there, but nothing like anything to settle the matter. We've seen gold repatriation movements arise in Austria and the Netherlands. And now we're being told that what the uh, central banks of France and Great Britain did prior to Nixon taking us off the uh, Bretton Woods Agreement was to ask for redemption of dollars in gold, okay, which closed down that system. So there's a lot of finagling going on in gold, and I suspect that what they're trying to do is they know that the system is headed for a collapse. And forget about crypto. They want to have their hands on as much of a physical medium of exchange as they can. That's my first uh, criticism. Because if digital is the way they want to go, why are they storing the gold? To prevent a physical medium of exchange to the public, I don't know. But uh, the case of Palantir that I started out with suggests otherwise. So my, I, my first thought in reading all of this and having followed a lot of this kind of covert economic warfare that's been going on uh, really since prior to 9-11 is, is there some sort of old debt that's suddenly coming due in this time frame? And is this the reason for the mad scramble of central banks uh, to beef up their gold reserves in the last few years? Is this the reason for the sudden scramble into, into space? I don't know. But these events and the submission of these articles, bing, 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 one right after the other on Zero Hedge, uh, suggest to me that there's something going on. And uh, we still as yet have to get a clear picture of what that something might be. And it involves gold and obfuscated gold, gold that isn't there, gold that may be there, and so on and so forth. So that's it for my news and views for the, uh, for the past three weeks, folks. Again, I apologize for the uh, hiatus, and there may be more of them coming. I am determined, regardless of any interior or exterior opposition, to get backup systems for this website. I will not have my work taken down by some arbitrary application of rules that are so broad that they can just silence whoever they disagree with. I'm not going to, I won't do it, folks. Um, so anyway, 
That's it. Don't forget the vid chat on Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock U.S. Central Time. Get your questions and comments emailed to me uh, by 10 o'clock tomorrow night, and we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Bye-bye, and God bless.